Welcome back. This is Tim, just letting you know that last week we covered part one of Scream, and now we are back to cover part two. So without further ado, here we are with special guest Peter Warden. Enjoy. Here we go. Next section. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> Anyone? I mean, I almost just wanted to clarify again since it's uh, maybe been a minute, Tim, and uh, we have new listeners here. Uh, this is all in the spirit of friends getting together, our <laughs> own very own subjective opinions. It kills me inside every time to speak bad about anything or anyone that pulls off the miracle that is making a film. Uh, That being said, (laughs) we have our own experience watching it and we hope it can be taken in the spirit of if there is anything to our feelings that the collective filmmaking uh, world can benefit from it. Are you worried about toxic fans on Twitter right now? (laughs) Um, No, just my own... We don't want to be the toxic fan, I think, (laughs) is what (laughs) we're getting at. Yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, yeah, I don't know. For Tim and I, you know, we always come at this from a view of uh, filmmakers breaking it down. And it feels weird to say that to who, you know, to sometimes be critiquing, as I see it, as people who are brothers and sisters in arms doing what uh, we should be so lucky to get to do, too. Yeah, I kind of look at it, though, like a lot of how I frame it is like if I were if it were me making this, what would I have done differently or what would I have tried to, to accomplish? Um, and like a big one for me in this that stuck out is like, I left the movie kind of going, who is the main character? Like who, like, I know it's Sam. Like I know it is, but I didn't feel like Sam was the main character. And I think there's something there that like if that's happening, that's something to be like concerned about, <laughs> you know, like you shouldn't feel disconnected from the main character. And I totally did. I'm not sure why or what could have changed to to make that not the case, but it felt really fractured to me from a protagonist point of view. Um and I didn't feel like I cared that much about her in the same way that I've always felt very concerned with the well-being of Sidney Prescott. And so I don't know what to attribute that exactly to. I can't quite pinpoint it, but I don't know. It felt disappointing almost to me that that, that was what I, I, I walked out with. I wasn't really rooting for her. I was like, all right. I I do have I I do somewhat agree with that. Well, I, yeah, you know what? I do agree with that. I think a big problem with the character is, and I I, I I'm an same same with what you guys are saying. I'm an actor. I feel bad sometimes when I have to talk bad about other actors, but I think Melissa Barrera kind of drops the ball, particularly with her two bedside conversations with her sister it's play she plays it i feel way too heavy and soap opera ish 
in a way mm. that doesn't feel it's it's just over the top. It doesn't feel like a way a sister would actually talk to another sister. It it's just too much. And I felt I was definitely laughing at those scenes. And I don't think those were moments where the filmmakers wanted me to be laughing. You can never really be a hundred percent sure with a scream movie, but <laughs> right. I don't think I was supposed to be laughing. It's funny. I totally agree that that moment felt off. Yeah. I remember kind of thinking to myself, what are we doing? Like what like what are we doing right now in the movie? It's exposition. It's trying to connect us to this emotional thing, but like I don't care. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I don't care how bon- it's it was a little bit too much sort of just telling us that this is really sad and not like we could have felt that through a different a totally different like device uh i don't know it it felt forced i think is actually what i walked away with where it's just like oh okay we got to get this exposition out let's like let's like really cut deep and have them have this emotional moment together and like the audience will feel that and i didn't feel that i felt kind of like okay here's an actor really really working hard to try and like dig deep down into this like emotional moment but it when you're trying to be emotional (laughs) as an actor that tends to come off disingenuous when you try not to be emotional as an actor and it leaks out we go oh shit because that's what humans do we don't we don't try to cry and have like our our cry face like look okay yeah we try not to cry and know that our cry face is really ugly. We're trying not to show that. And so that something about that whole scene just kind of didn't feel like it fit into the movie. It didn't really land in the way that I think they wanted it to. And so ultimately it just left me going, okay, well, they failed now at me caring about this character. Mm. Which sucks because you want to. I mean, I want to. I want to root for whoever's, you know, we're set up to root for. It was it was too soon for two people who we essentially just met. Right. It was right. uh it was acting as if this was the fifth entry in a franchise that we have yeah. followed these people from the beginning. I could see almost. that scene working at the end of the second act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like like let's say let's say their mom who I I love that they're kind of their parents just are off. You know, like the dad obviously left. That's fine, I get that. But their mom, they mention, I think, one time, like, where's mom? Oh, she's in London. Oh, yeah. It's like, what if she, like, if she had come back and been a victim of the killers toward the sort of end of the second act, and then they have to, like, the the family secrets have to be aired through that, I could kind (laughs) of get on board with this type of scene. I don't think that's appropriate for this movie, but, like, if I were to structure the emotional ex like the family secret scene in a movie i wouldn't put it at the turn into the second act i put it into the turn into the third act it just doesn't seem i don't know it's felt out of place it uh yeah i i agree and i mean melissa barrera she well she's no nev nev campbell one of the keys to her performance is how well she was able to underplay um i mean yeah she talks a lot about her family history uh 
basically, yeah, it leading into the third act in the first Scream movie. And she's like barely even looking at the person she's talking to, which, you know, is her boyfriend, Billy, but yeah, another, but she's like, <laughs> she's just kind of like talking to herself and just going through that. She, and yeah, the, for, to have this intense dramatic moment with this sister who she doesn't apparently doesn't really know that well, or we don't really know they've been estranged. So if, yeah, if her goal is to keep her sister from getting angry with her, you don't start crying and pleading with you, her right off the bat to forgive her. Like you, you just, yeah, you lay out the stakes as, as you mentioned. Yeah. yeah I mean, from a, just an overarching character construction, there's, it it felt just a little too what's a good word for this it felt a little too easy so like if we're going to like a character there's lots of ways to to set a character up for us to like them but they don't have to be like a bull right like they can be jerks and she you know for all intents and purposes if we're seeing the the sam character through tara's eyes which we've like Tara's the first person we met we're kind of automatically going to and she's the one saying like you left me Sam should not you know like the hero's journey kind of stuff she should not answer the call right the call comes in and says your sister just got attacked she should kind of be a jerk about it don't like I I feel like her being like I'll be right there completely just you know, extinguishes any conflict that you could have, like the whole point of this, this deep family secret thing is rooted in the conflict between these two people. And they just kind of extinguish it right off the bat. Oh, I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, but you weren't, you weren't there for me. Well, I'm here now. So what's (laughs) like, what's the big deal? Like it, it, it just deflates the, the impact of their relationship in this moment. And so, I just think sometimes writers, well, I know that this is true. I think a lot of us are afraid to make our protagonists, our protagonists, <laughs> our protagonists messy and potentially unlikable in moments. And I tend to think the opposite is more effective a lot of the time, not always, but for me, it's more effective to see a protagonist that is messy and is flawed and is maybe really struggling. I think that's kind of why Dewey works, right? Like Dewey is a mess. <laughs> and and granted, we have the luxury of knowing him and knowing the character and context and everything. But like he does exactly what I'm talking about. Kids show up. They say, hey, we need your help. And he's like, go away. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. And then he has to sit down with himself and go, God damn it. I'm Dewey. Like, this is what I Dewey. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, right. right. I'm going to go put myself killer. <laughs> right. Like, that's pretty standard good construction of, like, character, you know, progress and motivation. Don't answer the call and then have a moment to yourself and realize, like, you are who you are. You have to step up to that. Dewey, answer the call. Ghostbusters, <laughs> answer the call. But we don't get that with Sam at all. Like, we don't get that even in the slightest bit. We get, like, kind of through 
Richie this proxy version of that, but we obviously that's all a manipulation anyway. I wonder if they ran into like, okay, we have the the we're we're gonna do the thing where now the girl who's attacked in the opening scene actually survives and she's gonna be the main character. And then they go, oh, wait, but then she'd just be the main character in the hospital, the whole film, the whole film, so we can't really do that. Uh, <laughs> and so what if she has a sister? And I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's maybe, interesting. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Hard to know. Um, but that, to me, by far was the biggest issue that I walked out going like, oh, shit, I never really felt connected to the person that I think we're supposed to. And then I think that that actually has a domino effect because – when Sydney and Gail show up, I'm like, just leave, guys. Like, <laughs> don't get involved. Like, who <laughs> like cares? I don't, right I don't care about this person. So, like, just let her, whatever. Right. Yeah. We want to be wrapped up with the new characters just as much as the originals, like we were with the originals at the time. Yeah. I kind of agree. Uh, I guess for all similar reasons, I didn't get quite caught up. And her as our our new hero. Do you think she was an underwritten proxy or who may not have actually existed in an earlier draft, possibly? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. That's just one. I mean, I kind of like Yeah. I mean, what you said earlier, yeah, certainly in modern filmmaking, yeah, if writers are, or maybe it's because they're forced on this. This is forced on them. I think um, you're, I think that's probably very true. Right. A lot of the time. People are so afraid to make protagonists or any character at all unlikable. There will be like a new Buzzfeed article, 10 reasons why this character was actually the worst when you thought she was the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like, oh my God, everything has to be so squeaky clean nowadays. And yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we're not right. Like humans are just, the worst and like messy like don't like don't we want to see that right like you feel that in the original what nev campbell's sydney's going through where you i don't know you just get that weight of her history of what happened to her mom a year ago like it's in her interactions with you know whether it's uh uh gail you know confronting her and uh, uh, you know, when she deserves that punch and, you know, the way, <laughs> the way that's played or when Stu is just, uh, or not, not Stu, Billy is just, you know, like, Hey, get over it. Your mom died, <laughs> you know, and it's just, she's God, we feel, but I never can say I felt the same way with yeah. her and their history. You're right. There, there's, it is, it is lazy writing to just have a long conversation like that. When you look at the way we find out about Sydney's history is that pretty masterful sequence where it's barely alluded to when she's in school. Then she comes home and sees the news, uh, the news report from Gail uh, talking about what happened. And then you see the photo on the, um, on the mantle. So you find out who her mom is and you all just, you just put it back, put it together without her saying a word. It's um, yeah, it's different. So I think it's really important from a storytelling point of view that like, when you have big reveals of like history, so discovery for any character, it's always best, not always possible, but always best for that character to discover it themselves rather than having somebody tell them the thing 
that they've been waiting to hear, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so you can do that in lots of different ways. But like, just for a very simple example, would be why'd you leave? It's been five years, and Sam can't answer it. That's crushing, right? And having to see these two people not be able to communicate the secret and like reveal the truth and have a discovery forces Tara to need to know more, need to find out what that is. And then you can set up ways for that to happen. But just telling it doesn't work. Um, I think I should stop talking about this one thing that bothers me about this movie. <laughs> so that's it. I'm going to lay that to rest. All right. Um, thing I had top of the list here. I mean, it's, this is where I like, I wish I could better remember my experience watching the first screams to see if I'm being unfair here. But uh, I never, aside from never knowing you, you know, never being confident who the killer was. Um, and I love that moment again, where it like acknowledged how Sam could be the killer that felt like the movie, uh, you know, is on my level. But aside from that, I can't say like the movie, those things didn't feel like the movie was in that one step ahead of me, like way that I wanted it to be at like all times, like whether it was just kind of, I, I don't know, maybe it's my brain's just always going everywhere. But during that opening sequence, I was just, and, and, you know, I wanted that impact of, oh God, she just died. I'm like, I bet she lived because that would be subverting expectations. And then I don't (laughs) know. I was just like, okay. And then here we are. Or then just kind of in like the sense of um, the scene when Wes gets killed off and we kind of have that, (laughs) it's that ongoing gag of like the music's playing up, like when he moves the cupboard door or whatever and uh, Ghostface is going to be there. Like, yeah, that's fun. Um, but of course, the, the the time it does happen is the exact time that I was expecting it then. And I wasn't expecting it and each of those fake out times. So it wasn't exactly like funny. I don't know. I don't know. It just, just wasn't. I don't know. I wanted to actually I thought that was a cool moment to then actually surprise me the moment, you know, Ghostface jumps out just didn't happen. Um, and then also, you know, I said how great it was and impactful it was Dewey's death sequence but that just felt like i also just kind of saw it happening before it actually played out where i was like okay i bet you know the elevator doors gonna open and um he's you know then the the the, how does it play yeah within they're gonna shoot the killer right then and there you know i don't know i just saw that happening i have (laughs) a problem with that that sequence and then sorry and then even also just like when he goes back to That's, do that final yeah. kill. It's like, oh, yeah. so this is where Dewey's probably going to die right yeah. now. I That really kind of annoyed me, actually. I really think that you can play that sequence out just slightly differently and not have it feel trite. Because it ends up being too much of this, like, oh, I had to, I just shot him. Like, he, like, Dewey has shot the killer like five times in the chest and then they just kind of casually walk away to the elevator and he goes wait they always come back let me go back that felt so stupid to me well he can do that but then that the movie has to have that thought too and then be like 
he either has to have the second thought and there's like, no, F that I'm not actually going to do that. Then the killer jumps up behind whatever or the rather, you know, the um, Sam stays behind and is like, no, then I'm going to help you too to make sure nothing happens. Something. I don't know. Right. I mean, you, there's a bunch of ways you could do it. I thought to myself, OK, don't have them walk away. Mm-hmm. Right. Have Dewey shoot, shoot the killer and immediately go to take the mask off and come up with a reason why they can't do it in that moment, why they have to get out of there, mm-hmm. whatever that it could be so many different things. I mean, Tara's in rough shape right then anyway. So, like, have it be something where it's like he wants to and he almost can take the mask off right there, but he doesn't. And they get you know they carry on so i can justify them not pulling the mask off right away now the going back part i don't know man like don't go back or like have him try to shoot ghostface in the head right away like after he's you know put him down with the five shots initially have him trying to try to shoot him in the head and be out of bullets. I don't know. Like my, yeah. something. My like ex- something. My expectations would have been really subverted, actually, if they had pulled the mask off in there and we get for the first time a killer reveal halfway through and then the uh, ones yeah. the second or third ones saved till the end, you know? I was um considering how many times Dewey has made that mistake throughout the series <laughs> of not shooting the killer in the head. I was really surprised that he did that. I mean, but then, but yeah, but then he remembers to go back. It's like, okay, finally, maybe he's, he's kind of learned his lesson. It was a, a decade since the last like, one, you know, what's that? It was a decade since the last one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in the, the end of the third movie they're he shooting the guy in the chest over and over again as a head head dewey head like why <laughs> why does he still forget to shoot him in the head and it's yeah just unloading that off but i did kind of like i still couldn't help but uh just my reverence for these characters and how much i love the uh, you know how, how many times i watched them i couldn't help but appreciate the hero aspect of it. it's like no, you guys go away. I'm going to take care of this myself. Like, like it, leading them away and not letting them come, come with it. I, I kind of liked that about it. It but. almost did kind of play like in a works in a self-aware way, I guess, that he is stepping off into his death. Like the elevator door closes and he's stepping. I don't know, but yeah. I was expecting the killer to be gone when he came back. I was actually really surprised mm. the killer was still there. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they always frequently after they get shot they disappear <laughs> right right um but i i will say the um the closing of the doors in that that you mentioned earlier like and wes yeah when he when he's closing the doors and the killer's not there i feel kind of like i was right on the page with them because I, I also at the same time knew the killer probably wasn't going to be there i felt like that was the movie saying here's a stupid thing that horror movies do all the time and we're you know that we know that maybe I'm giving it too much credit there, but it that didn't bother me. That worked for me there. So. I was okay with that too. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, it was a joke. Yeah, it was fun, but just something about like, it wasn't use that to then make the actual kill be a surprise, which True. I guess it wasn't. Right. They didn't go the one. Yeah. That one step <laughs> further like into it. Opening of scream four. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Anything else with you guys? I mentioned all the characters and performances that I liked, but (laughs) I felt like Wes 
was kind of a nothing character for me. I wish there could have been more to him. Uh, I don't even remember her name. Um, the long haired, the long haired one. I don't remember her name. What? Oh, Liv. Liv. Yeah, it's probably the, Liv. The girlfriend of one of the twins. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Liv. She. Right. Right. Yeah. Liv. She felt like kind of a nothing character compared to the other casts, even the lesser sequels. They were all those characters were so memorable. I really felt it when they would get killed, even in the first one with. Like Henry Winkler, we only meet him like one time before he gets killed, but they do establish him enough that mm-hmm. we are genuinely sad when that happens. Whereas Wes, it just it yeah the the killing is done really gruesomely and creatively, but I he felt so inconsequential from the beginning that it didn't surprise me he was one of the first. Ones it was funny. Yeah. I cared about him because I liked his mom Judy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That was that's where I got Boy, suspense from. Marley Shelton from. 2000 to 2011 to 2022. Those are the only times I've seen that actress. It's nice that she's been back. Mm-hmm. I, she did a lot in the early 2000s and then just these screen movies is all I've seen her since. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that, but then, yeah, Liv, she just didn't make much of an impact uh, compared to the other cast where it everyone had their own personality, their own quirks and were really memorable. When the cast list, you know, you see the title cards or the cards next to the actors, like, I was like, oh, right, that person was in this movie. Oh, that person was in this movie. They were complete, they had completely left my mind because of the super memorable climactic sequence for me. Yeah. That is an interesting thing. I think part of why that occurred is that in this movie, you have, you're basically doubling the cast. That's true. Right. And so those few characters, Liv, Wes, um, Kyle Gallner. <laughs> yeah, they f- they fall into caricature and sort of just, you know, Liv just becomes this kind of, she's the, I mean, I can't even describe her. She's such a two-dimensional character, yeah. right? Like she's the girlfriend who had an ex-boyfriend who was a jerk. <laughs> that's so, that's such a non-character. That's, right. that's a caricature at best. And Wes is, I mean, they tried to kind of set him up that he has a thing for Tara. But we never see that. Mm-hmm. We don't see any interaction between the two of them that suggests that that is, is based in something that we care about. And we get a glimpse of him being annoyed that his mom is the sheriff. <laughs> That's it. So, like, again... There's this problem, I think, with not wanting to write characters to be kind of messy. Like, like, why not have the scene before Judy dies be Wes and Judy having, like, kind of a gnarly mother-son fight? Yeah. So that we, like, it's too nice. Everything's a little too, like, smooth. That's, uh... I don't know. I noticed that I feel like that is a recurring problem with these uh, requels in a lot of ways. Like, yes, yeah, Star Wars, the original Star Wars are like fantasy adventure movies for kids, but something about them even just felt more like adult or like not coddling in a certain way. I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, so be it, I guess. Yeah. But it, it does, it, it feels like it dilutes the movie it just makes it makes it feel a little watered down that that is one of the 
I think one of the problems, of course, with the the bedside sequence as well, it's, you have to make a two hour movie. You're introducing all these new characters, bringing in the old characters. I mean, there's just not any more time to establish it except for that. So like, that's the only right. way you can do it to fit it in the But time it feels frame, yeah. like it takes longer than if it was just sort of <laughs> You're happening. Right. You're that probably, scene yeah. felt like an eternity to yeah. me. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but it ended eventually, and I got back to the characters that I appreciated. <laughs> right. so. All yeah. right. Well, I had a couple more things. I guess the bigger one was, uh, for me, there was no real memorable set pieces. Really? Which the first one, to run through it, the first one, every set piece is a memorable set piece because it's all classic. You know, it's like going in the different houses. It's all the final house. It's great. It's great. Um Second one, unlike you, Peter, I think the college setting is great. That that, that final play <laughs> and having that was like where Sydney's trying to, you know, is, you know, there's people coming at her and it's That's bringing up sequence. her trauma. Yeah. Like all that was super cool. Getting to see Randy all of a sudden in a, a setting with fellow film geeks in film school. Like it was so much fun. Yeah, I could go on with that. Scream 3, like you pointed out, the set of the house, you know, that whole thing was great. Even the kind of sleuthing through Hollywood, old big Hollywood mansion, Hollywood Hills house, like, can think of all that, you know, is memorable. Um, Scream 4, yeah, it's just a lot. I don't know, there were some nice classroom scenes to it that we hadn't really had before too, too much. But mostly it was just the the party that I love, uh, a -a stab-a-thon. Like, that is (laughs) such a fun... I don't know. That was a fudge fun. Yeah. And then maybe it was just because that hospital was a surprise one uh, and a set piece that always felt memorable to me. Um, and yeah, it's just a lot of in houses too in Scream 4. But uh, the way it plays out with Jill beating herself up, I don't know. It makes it <laughs> memorable in a way. Um, but this one, it just kind of felt like, yeah, we're just kind of, okay, we're in, we're in the hospital. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're in this house, we're in that house, we're in this house. And then the ending, what should be like a, oh my God, come full circle thing, which I was experiencing partly like you, I was like, oh, so cool. It's the final one. Or it's the, that the house from the original is where the final finale is taking place. It like, it, it felt like when that revelation happened, it never, it did a good job hiding it at first. Like, I don't know, like, it's cool. You kind of sniffed it. D- didn't really. Di- yeah, for me, didn't do a good job. But yeah, go ahead, continue. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, I just was not expecting yeah. it. But then the reveal of it, it felt like it didn't revel in that reveal or, or like at all. It just sort of felt there were no kind of like mirroring shots or any kind of like, I don't know, like kind of comparing how it would be. I was I found myself like only from that point on, I was like, OK, I'm trying to like picture it how it was in the original like I don't know it it didn't it didn't take it fully take advantage of that for me and I don't know if it was just a, a a beats getting played out or or just how it was then once that revelation happened yeah it just didn't I don't know visually do anything with it after that for me to make it feel like the ending set piece it just the whole thing kind of felt to me like they didn't have the original house which is <laughs> I don't know it is just like a set that they were just kind of working around and shooting around which works when they're trying to hide it, but not once the twist happens. 
That, um, yeah, by the way, that's just speculation on my mind. I don't know that for a fact that it wasn't actually the original. I know, house, I'm wondering I, yeah, too. Yeah. I'm like, since they Airbnb'd huh. it out last Halloween, you'd think they'd be okay with letting people film. Yeah. But maybe not. <laughs> Filming's a bigger ordeal. Yeah, if, if it was the original house, I agree. They were probably not utilizing it as well as they could have. But there were, well, I mean, yeah, not necessarily to, to I, I get, I get what you're saying. But I also thought like when he's, like standing over uh, Sam or and, and Sydney and like that that shot kind of mirrored when Billy is standing over Sydney and Matt and then they even repeat a, couple, a little bit of the dialogue and they comment on that as well. Something about it, I feel like it felt rushed to me. I don't know. And I think that end shot, there was a, a photo, uh, some photos behind the scenes that they, uh, one of the actors posted on Twitter and they're all standing like in front of a green screen at the end. Oh. I feel like that, I don't know, my guess for that would be that end last shot, which like it, it was really cool and worked, but I think it was like not the original location. You know, it was, they, they green screened in that sort of gorgeous view that the, Mm. that house has (laughs) behind them. Um, that's probably true. (laughs) I don't know. I was just so excited when it was the original house and then it felt like it didn't like play with that. I think maybe just the idea of it being the original house was enough for me. Like just being uh, transported back to that situation and that setting like that, that worked well enough. And just the creative things that they found, well, to in my mind, the creative things that they found to do with it that weren't necessarily exactly the way it played out the first time. Although the closet stuff that did remind me a lot of like, you know, uh, Sydney coming out of the closet, the umbrella and stabbing, um, uh, Billy in the chest during that. That reminded yeah. me of that. Um, <laughs> no, there was stuff. Some st- yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it. But I honestly, I was so locked in or and clicked in at that point when the killers were revealed, and you got uh, the Joel McHale looking um, <laughs> Jack Quit. He looked so much like Joel McHale to me. I don't know about you guys, but um, uh, the, his expressions and everything. Boy, t- if this movie were made ten years ago, I'm pretty sure Joel McHale would have played that role. Um, and uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you, that's that didn't work for you. I respect that. That's okay. <laughs> but again, this was first time viewing. I'm just, who knows? I don't know, man. <laughs> well, I have one more. And I don't understand it. Okay. I don't understand why you, why you do this oh. as, as a director or a writer or whatever. All three of the heroines in the finale get a wound in the exact same spot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are we doing? Mix it up a little. (laughs) Yeah. Why is it all in the left, like, abdomen? I don't know, Tim. Why? There's no good reason for that. Maybe, like, visually, the way they film it, that's the easiest area of the body to hide. So when they're continuing to run around as if they haven't been wounded, the audience doesn't notice. <laughs> or, but dude, I'm uh-huh. I'm sorry, but, like, that's a that's a bad wound. Like, Gail yeah. gets shot there. I was going to say maybe it's shot something that you, with just, a gun. you can just survive it or it's, like, most likely you to miss can, a vital organ. But you could survive, you know, like you could get shot through the shoulder, you could get shot in the leg, you yeah. could get stabbed in a bunch of different places and kind of be, you can like willing suspension of disbelief that you survive that. I mean, for fuck's sake, Tara gets stabbed like 50 times in the opening scene <laughs> and she survives. So like, like the world's our oyster here, like stab them wherever we want, mm-hmm. stab them in the face for all we care, like like do something to, why is it the same spot <laughs> I don't that's know, so Jeff. stupid to me like huh? it, 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 it 
by the third person, I was like, I'm starting to get mad. Like, I'm actually like feel like I'm being messed with here. Like, this is stupid. So that pissed me off. I don't know what else to say. It just seems like what? Why? Come on. Yeah. Uh, Can't argue with that. Yeah. (laughs) I won't dwell uh, on it. But the last little thing I had was uh, I wanted more connection to scream for because because I'm such a fan. (laughs) They brought back Marley. I was going to say they they brought back Judy, but I don't know. uh, And then when I'm thinking about I'm like, wait, did anyone actually survive? They could have brought back like apparently. um, Oh, yeah. This is things of note. But apparently Kirby like, you know, we're always wondering, oh, you know, did she actually survive? We didn't see her die at the end of Scream 4. That uh, in the the Dead Meat James clip where they're reviewing the stab movies that are on screen, there's like something about, um, I guess, the Kirby in the stab movies surviving or something like that. Um, Wait, Kirby? I'm sorry. Who, who is, who is Hayden Panettiere. Oh, her. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't really see her actually die. Yeah, so a lot of people are hoping she'd come back. Anyway, just such a Scream 4 fan. I don't know, just wanted more connection to that. But again, I don't even know if it was possible or if everyone was killed. I forget. But anyway. I did like this. I mean, this probably doesn't satiate your appetite for Scream 4 stuff. But I did. Like, I watched Scream. Then the next night I watched Scream 4. Then the next night I watched Scream again. So. Sorry, 2022, Scream 4, 2022. So yeah, in between oh. those two viewings, I watched Scream 4. So I caught in my second viewing, Lemon Squares in the refrigerator. Yep. Lemon squ- she was all about like the Lemon that. Squares in Scream 4. I like 4, that. So. Great. <laughs> um, so there was that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, they two- even say, like, uh, <laughs> when Wes says, uh, I'm related to... to, what, uh, to Judy? To, her, his, her son says, wait, what? And he says, nobody cares about the inferior sequels, Wes. Like, <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> well, again, um, that's all just, I love Judy. Yeah. So I was, I was happy for her. Yeah. Coming back anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she, I'm glad she came back too. Yeah. Marley Sheldon is, she's fun. Uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's it for what did not work then. Yeah. Then we can move on. Oh, what did you think about the Billy flashbacks? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I felt about that if that was I, really worth bringing the actor back to do that i to, respected that they were doing something that felt new to the franchise that someone could hallucinate in that kind of way so i just thought it was a cool new thing that they were trying and i just got a kick out of seeing him and i was like sure great fun i'm still on the fence of how i feel about that so I, yeah i thought it was okay all right yeah fair enough i thought there was something kind of fun going on maybe more in that effect i'm talking about of like how we're so far separated now to see see him with that same haircut just like in this world just i don't know it was just kind of a trip in a fun way and still dressed the same way as the climax (laughs) okay yeah i think everything else worked perfectly for me right there great (laughs) all right then well let's see if we had any non what worked or didn't work things of note things of note <laughs> this should be interesting question for you guys mm-hmm. does calling out elevated horror make this film elevated <laughs> and are the scream movies elevated horror uh, can we just say for F me that they term? Are. it's horrible <laughs> in a certain respect i think they are because they 
are self sort of referential and self-aware. So in that sense, they're, they are elevated because of that. They're elevated more than a movie that's not self-aware. Um, I'd say they're elevated slasher movies. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Another question. Did, would you consider a twist that the killers for the first time in a screen movie, they were literally just fans of horror movies and not related in any way? Oh, is this the first time that's been that is? It's yeah. yeah, for the most part. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's fine. It's appropriate to today. She uh he the boyfriend's was as close no, that's not true. Because never mind. I was gonna say that was as close to closely related to the main character as Billy, but not really. No. I was just kind of surprised yeah. by that. I don't know if you'd call it a twist. I guess that's why I asked. But just it was a surprise that it was just not directly, directly tied, which maybe was striking the good balance of like we can have everyone have these connections, but just to have it be a like, Sydney, I'm actually your, you know, extended cousin, to, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> Well, maybe we'll find out in the next movie. Yeah. Well, the I, case, there was right? one point when I suspected that the killer could be Sam's estranged, well, not real father, but father who who left when he found out that she was not his. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, would have been fine. Mm. I would have been like, damn. Although I think you can't do that if you don't introduce the character, right? You can't. You can't talk about a character and then have them turn out to be the the killer without ever having met them in the movie. Right. So once. Once we got like an act in and we had not met him in any way, I was like, well, that that's out the door. Would have been even worse than Scream 3. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it would have been really, I would have been mad. I would have been like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah. He, uh, he can't lay out all these suspects and let it be none of them. Right. So, well, right. even though that it was technically a, a non-visual <laughs> suspect. So, right. yeah. um, uh, I mentioned Dewey being like the one I was most scared of dying and who, if they do, are doing a Scream eight someday who I'd hope to, to still be in all of them in a way. But uh, where, what page were you guys on for that? Like who were you most afraid of dying? Who, if you could have written it differently, like in a way to shock yourself or just fan service yourself, you know, all those ways, how would you have approached that? You know, I was so sure that one of them would die in scream four that I was kind of at the point. I was like, well, maybe they'll never kill these characters. Mm-hmm. So I was legit surprised when Dewey actually did end up getting killed. Uh, and I would have been. I did have a mild suspicion maybe they'd kill Sydney. It seemed like the most, um, it would be the most shocking thing. And I, I do remember a few months ago uh, when, you know, rumblings, like internet rumblings of this new movie were starting to come out, there was this headlines of fans will not be ready for what happens in the next screen movie. So, the hell first, does that mean? <laughs> that, my yeah. first thought was, are they going to kill Sydney? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's it did seem like the right choice. It seemed like um, kind of a Luke Skywalker type of situation, calling the old hero back to arms and he sacrifices himself. Yeah, for the good of everyone else. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. I thought it was fine. I yeah. So you mean uh, you would have done the same thing? If I'm gonna kill one of the three of them. Yes, 
probably. I mean, I would probably want to kill Gale yeah. as a character. <laughs> but do I think that would have served the movie? No. Because then I think it would become too much of a Dewey revenge movie. Like, Dewey needs to get revenge. Um, it doesn't work that way. But it did work fine that that Gale is the survivor of, of the two of them. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Dewey, I thought something, uh, a, a way that this one mixed it up a bit that was really interesting was for the screen movies, you're always wondering how they're going to present the rules and sort of what are the rules in reference to. So like first one was just about like slasher movies, horror movies in general. Second one, Randy's laying out the rules of what happens in sequels, bigger body count. Anyone can happen, even use it or no, then it's the third one where his video comes back for the third one in a franchise. Anything could happen. That means even you can dice it. So it's the, the movie nerd laying it out, right? This one, I was like wondering, I don't know, what were they gonna were they gonna lay out the rules of a requill, which they they kind of started. What are rules yeah. gonna be here? But what it was, it was Dewey laying out the rules of a long established franchise, and I thought like what the rules were uh, in that sense were just smart and fun, and I thought that was interesting. How he has become an expert at this point, but it was also just a different, interesting approach to make it like more in reference to all these actual killings for them that have happened versus just like movie rules, horror movie rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe I forgot to mention this earlier, but the fact that Heather Matarazzo came back as uh, Randy's sister, I thought <laughs> That's right. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the fact, yeah. But the fact that they have like a screening room devoted to Randy that was, or dedicated to Randy. We still That's had, where it happens too, where they lay out the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he's not around to lay out the rules anymore, we still have his <laughs> altar and <laughs> yes. his honor. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any things of note, things you wanted to? Um, I, I did stay away from looking at the cast list for this because I had a feeling there would be spoilers in that. Um, but uh, I do, similar to when the time when people were saying you will not fans will not be ready for what happens in uh, the new scream movie skeet ulrich and matthew lillard started doing a lot of interviews about the 25th anniversary of scream so i was kind of thinking are they going to come back to yeah. life in the new scream movie is that what's gonna happen and i was um so yeah when skeet ulrich showed up as a hallucination of billy i thought that was Okay, so that's how it's going to go. And then I expected Matthew Lillard to do the same, and then it didn't happen. So I thought that <laughs> would be kind such of, a like, trip, yeah. both of them. <laughs> right. Maybe he's going to do the next one. Knows, yeah. Like, I know now uh, that we've I, established that, is it fair game where everyone just comes back as a ghost, a right. de-aged ghost? All of the deaths <laughs> of the Scream movies are going to show up. Yeah. They're going to wave goodbye to everyone around <laughs> yeah no i was um, gonna say more like the ending of the last last star wars what was it called where it's like all the forced the voices of the forced ghosts like help them defeat <laughs> right I don't even remember oh yeah okay Jeez, was, <laughs> the, that movie is kind of weirdly out of my memory because the pandemic happened right after it so mm -hmm. uh yeah um okay what oh mikey madison i mentioned her uh the fact that 
there. I what do you do you agree with me that that was an intentional Once Upon a Time in Hollywood reference? Because I'd be shocked if that was just a coincidence. I wonder if they didn't so much. I wonder if it like gave them kind of more like they probably acknowledged it by one. was like, why do I just picture her burning? And that would be, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, we should do an homage to it. I don't think they necessarily went like that. <laughs> I, well, in, in any case, it, it played that way to me and that it made me so happy. It was great. Um, are you are either of you interested in hearing about my D box experience watching this movie? Sure. <laughs> Where I don't even know what that is. Well, so. I guess the, yeah, it's have to. motion seats that go along oh, with, no. with the movie. Does. They have them over okay. at the the Chinese theater. Yeah. Okay. It was like I mean, if the killer was banging on the door, your seat would like no you know, way <laughs> that way. <laughs> At the beginning, when the locks would turn back and forth, your seat kind of turns to the left and right <laughs> along. Uh, so <laughs> when she was like uh, this, what you said, no me- memorable set pieces. That when she was in the wheelchair in the hospital, that I loved that. I I thought that was an awesome. Set that was pretty that cool. Was, yeah, that I like all of else. that scene. Your yeah. seat would was kind of like rocking, like you were in the wheelchair with her. <laughs> It was all very well synchronized too, and yet, like when someone got stabbed, it would like you know. Jolt there must just be like right? one like, person out there who's like the D box person who's <laughs> there just like program all those movies. I mean, I didn't expect it to be as accurate and well, uh, well set up as it was. The lock twisting. Did. I when that happened right at the beginning, I was like, oh, I am in. This is going to be a lot of fun. Like, and uh, you know, if there was like a like a crane shot that. way too so it was i it's not something i would do more than once i probably wouldn't uh, it's not something i would do for a first time watching a movie but uh since it was my second time i said like why not spring for that and see what it's all about because it's been around for like 12 years i never did it so wow we uh so you're welcome (laughs) now you know (laughs) now i know yeah (laughs) now we know now the world knows that sounds great so you got some d-box i don't know anyone else who's ever done it um We didn't mention the the filmmakers up front. Sorry, folks. We tried to do that, but the directors were Matt Bettinelli, Olpine, Olpine, and Tyler Gallette. And um, I thought it was cool. They did. Uh, they were huge fans of Wes Craven and the Scream films, and I think that definitely uh, says something about how uh, the torch was so well passed between them. But it was cool. They did their research as far as talking to everyone that they could who knew Wes Craven and was involved you know with the originals and all that and uh some things they learned you know some some rules that Wes you know was stood by and uncovered or whatever that they're unspoken or not the one that I wanted to share I liked was the idea to make audiences feel like they're in the hands of a madman. that was a good okay. one okay. yeah this was a quote um from Bettinelli Olpine with bloody disgusting says when we were in pre-production was we talked to Patrick Lussier who edited the first four and it was the beginning of our year long meet everybody we possibly can who knew Wes and get every piece of information that we could. The thing he told us is when they started editing the Drew Barrymore scene, he said that Wes came in and said, I need the audience to feel like they're in the hands of a madman just from the jump. And that became a guiding North star for us throughout the process. Mission accomplished. I think and that's like, you know, in the, the editing, how long do you hang on a gruesome shot for? Or just, yeah, I mean, every level, yeah, can pop up. So I, it's a good North Star to have, I think. 
I uh, did want to mention, I wish I could say I figured this out myself, but it was uh, an article that I read. Sydney mentions a husband that she has. The husband's name is Mark. Does that ring a bell for either of you? No. Mark Kincaid was the name of Patrick Dempsey's character <gasps> no! in Scream they 3. They got together. So no. there is, people are speculating <laughs> that that's who she's married to. <laughs> and maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out in the next movie. I was just oh going to say, God. I thought it was interesting and kind of, good that we didn't see her husband you know yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah could could be another person but named mark but isn't like one of the first rules of screenwriting it can't have two people with the same first name like well maybe it's mark with a c mm-hmm. oh man that's yeah true, right? yeah <laughs> all right you yeah. have anything to note for us tim no <laughs> okay then <laughs> this guy Mike, this movie- what what could i possibly have after all of that kevin williamson didn't write it that's my thing no, no. <laughs> he's executive producer there's a great i suggest it there's a great um interview that uh the podcast horror queers did with kevin <laughs> williamson just 20 minutes there's some uh you get to hear some fun uh what his his outlines were for scream five and six well as an alternate intro to scream four that he originally had planned um last little thing that i had i thought was so funny there was a final trailer released for this film that was like closer to um a minute long that like has some of the advanced quotes or whatever but they used footage from stab eight in this movie where it is the metal ghost face uh with the (laughs) flamethrower as if it was a part of this screen movie it has cracked me up seeing that Cool. I bet people loved that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was weird seeing a Scream movie begin without the Dimension logo. Yeah. For me. Yeah. It was kind of a, yeah, it's a Paramount movie. I don't know what happened there, but, um, well. Uh, and, uh, okay, I know you guys said that it you felt that it didn't have the touch of Wes Craven, and I, I definitely see that, but I got to say, if you were to show me all five movies in a row, and ask me, which movie do you think had a different director? Which movie was not Wes Craven? I'm pretty sure I would choose Scream 4. That movie feels hmm. so wildly different from any of the others. It this was, feels like a minor departure. I thought it was... 4 feels like a wild departure. To me. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting how you said 4, what you didn't like about it so much was the humor. For Usually the general complaint about 3 that I'd agree with was that it's not so much... It's just some, Now I just kind of like it about it. But that 3 is the one that sort of stands out as the more like humorous you know uh comedic one versus scream four yeah i i yeah it's got parker posey it's got patrick warburton in there yeah there i you're right there is a lot of weird i think it's funny you went there yeah but, that too, yeah. but i don't scream four i it felt a little it almost felt scary movie-ish without how self-referential hmm. not. and so like yeah it, it it felt very like not just a, it's separated from reality in a way that Scream 3 didn't quite. Yeah, a lot of people are joking in Scream 3, but it still felt it still felt the weight of the kills in that, where they didn't really feel that in Scream 4, so. which I don't think was the intention with Scream 4. They were, they were doing, they did what they were trying to do, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if that, I think what we, you've said, what we have to say about <laughs> Scream 2022. So wind down a bit here, some recommendations, and get on out. Peter, you want to start us off? Um, I am going to recommend Dead, a show that, uh, actually, I'm not sure where you get it now. It's an FX show, but it's called Better Things. Um, 
Mikey Madison from this movie plays Pamela Adlon's daughter. It's Pamela Adlon is the star, but she plays her daughter. And it's a show that I binged during the pandemic. And it is. Uh, so it's been a while, but but um, it's it's a wonderful show. She does a fantastic job. They all do. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's well worth your time. It's funny and it's poignant and it's dramatic. It's very cool. Tim. I watched I've watched a few horror films um over this Christmas break or holiday season. Um I think the one I liked the most was Censor. Hmm. Do you know about this movie? I know of it. I have not seen it. It's pretty solid. It's really visually cool. Like it's shot the well, whatever. Just watch it. It's it's colored amazingly. Like the the and and I don't just mean the the post coloring. I mean like the set design color palettes that are like like on set are amazingly well constructed and super interesting. Um, and that's like one small aspect of what makes the movie good. It's really really cool. So yeah, I would I would go see that. I don't want to say anything about it. It's like I went in blind and I was very happy I did. Cool. I'm mostly blind too, so I'll, I'll check it but out. Man, the color design, woo! It's so cool. I think that that's like modern filmmaking in turn in in horror in particular. You can do a lot, like you can get away with a lot, and like watching how I guess. I don't know who really makes this call ultimately if, if it is the set designers or if the director is ultimately the one who's like making this decision and then having everybody follow some rules. But either way, like just the the palette and like the the dimension that a shifting palette can give to a story mm-hmm. subconsciously is something I've just been paying more and more attention to Mm. and like i think that stuff is amazing right if you're gonna shoot in color use it yeah like (laughs) seriously um great well just real quick uh looking at stuff i've watched recently i i mentioned this to you peter i watched the steve martin movie la story for the first time have you seen that tim maybe not for a while (laughs) it was just a great uh if you like steve martin you'd like it it's just um nice to have a older steve martin movie i hadn't seen uh, I guess they all are of his at this point. Pretty much. But um, have one be good. Have one be fun. I can see it has a little like fandom around it. A solid L.A. story. And I, I'm always uh, looking for L.A. set movies and shows now. Because I live here, not despite I live here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Check it out. L.A. story. Great. I was shown that movie when I was five years old. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something about Steve Martin. My parents would show me every Steve Martin movie they could. I saw them all. And so, yeah, that was one of them. Like Funny. right when it came out on video. So. Great. <laughs> Steve Martin uh, horror movie and a TV show with uh, oh, yeah. with uh, with Mikey. <laughs> Mikey Madison, yes. I, I hope Mikey Madison, Jenna Ortega, and um, the girl, I don't think I talk much about her, the one who explains all the rules. That Jasmine... Mm-hmm. Uh, those three I thought really killed it I think they did a fantastic job I hope they have a huge career so, yeah, that's great <laughs> uh, well Peter it's been great having you here and 
Thanks for having me. This Absolutely. Is fun. We hope to hear you. We hope you and Ray get back to it with Retro View soon. We can hear you back on there. If not, folks, uh, you want to hear some more Peter musings on movies, you can find it, Retro Reviews. And uh, Tim, it's great to be back here with always. I'm looking forward to this year ahead of us. See what the hat pulls, see what the world pulls, see some new releases. Should be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, and everyone, our big ask, you uh, you uh, like being here, we presume you made it this far. Let a friend know. Let's spread the word. And, uh, <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll have you next time. All right. Well, in closing, RIP Dewey Riley. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>